Samuel chapter 18 this morning. Let's stand as we read the Word of God this morning, 1 Samuel chapter number 18. And uh, we'll, we'll read uh, a handful of verses. And I want to bring a thought to you uh, this morning that I have preached here before uh, years ago, not too many years ago. And uh, I, I preached it here and, and many other places for a while. And then it was like, it just kind of, it was done. And uh, in recent weeks, really, the Lord has been working it back into my heart. And I don't know if it was just for here or if it, other places that I'll be preaching that the Lord will uh, have me preaching it. Uh, maybe just for me on this day. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but the Lord's been working it back into my heart. Uh, on some lessons worth learning in the life of David. And uh, there's a lot of them, and uh, we've got a lot of learning to do. And uh, I do, and you do. And uh, this morning I want to preach part of, of that to you this morning. I, I think we're in chapter 18. Let's read it together this morning. About 16 verses. And I appreciate you being here. Appreciate a good crowd this morning, the choir coming, and and learning a new song this morning, and uh, most places have choir practice on Sunday nights, and that's all right by me, whatever people want to do. My thing is, is by Sunday night, I am tired, and uh, I, I like y'all coming in here on Sunday morning and getting it started out refreshed and ready to go. It helps the service, and I appreciate y'all coming in early and all that goes into what God does here. First uh, Samuel chapter 18, verse 1, And it came to pass... When he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And I want you to notice this statement this morning. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. The love of Jonathan, a friend to David. Verse 2, And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more to his house or to his father's house. And Jonathan David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass as... They came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth, and, he, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me... They have ascribed but thousands, and what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul, or and Saul eyed David from that day and forward. And it came to pass in the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul. He prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand as at other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. One thing that I recognize in reading this text and studying this text is that one man is in the is in the uh, uh, room and one man has a harp in his hand and he is making music 
that is beneficial to everyone there. And in that same room, there's a man with a javelin in his hand. And God help us this morning to always be a man with a harp in our hand and not a javelin in our hand. It's easy to trade them out. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from him, made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways. What a, what a testimony to the character of David that the Holy Ghost would say about him that he behaved himself wisely in all of his ways. And the Lord was with him. What more of a testimony of the character of David. Boy, I want the Lord to say about me that he behaved himself wisely. And the Lord was with him. And if you can walk through this life and people say, and God say, even more than people say, because people can get it wrong. But if God can say about you, that you have behaved yourself wisely and that the Lord is with you. What a testimony of the character of David. Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel, and I want you to notice this statement, all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. That's all we'll read for now this morning. And Let's pray. Brother Tripp, if you'd just give me just a touch more monitor, please, sir. I would appreciate it. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we love you and we thank you this morning, God, for the goodness of God. We thank you this morning for the hand of God. Thank you, Lord, the half hasn't been told. And Lord, what you have prepared for us, Lord, is beyond our knowledge, beyond our comprehension. God, I thank you for it. Lord, I pray now that you bless the preaching of the Word of God. Touch me, Lord. I need your help. Touch your people. Lord, no doubt you have prepared this morning for the Word of God. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would bring forth these truths in our hearts in such a way that it would change who we are. Lord, bless all that's said and done on this place and on this property today. God, will thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I told you as I began to read uh, the text this morning that a couple, two or three, four years ago, uh, I, the Lord gave me a series of sermons that I preached here and in other places on uh, learning to be, lo- or lessons worth learning in the life of David. Things that we find that God teaches David. And if you and I can get a hold of these truths, will be beneficial to you in every aspect, in every area of your life. There's a whole lot of these lessons. Uh, one of them, and I'll not preach it this morning, but one of these lessons that David is going to learn, God's going to make sure that David learns this lesson, it is that David is going to have to learn to be little. Uh, David is going to have to learn to be little. Uh, As God brings promotion in David's life, uh, David is going to have to learn that all of that came from God. All of that is of God. All of that is by God. And without God, none of that exists. 
And if David ever gets big in his own eyes, then he's going to be no different than Saul. That was the accusation against Saul, by the way. We hear people say sometimes, oh, I tell you, they got too big for their own britches. You've heard that saying, and oh, I tell you, they're just big. Now, that's a big shot uh, person. That's a big shot individual. And we act as if though big is bad. We act as if though somebody who has become big in finances or someone who's become big in the church or someone who's become big in some area, we act as if there's something wrong with that or that's something unpleasing to God. But that is not true. Because it was God that made Saul big. And it was God that made David big. The accusation should not be that there is a problem with the success or the bigness of their life. But here was the accusation of God against Saul. When thou wast little in thine own eyes. He was not upset at Saul for being big in somebody's eyes. He was not upset for Saul being big in the eyes of the nation of Israel. But he was upset that Saul had become big in his own eyes. And he was going to teach David that if you're going to serve me, I'm going to make you big. If you're going to serve me, I'm going to do big things with you. If you're going to serve me, I'm going to take you to big areas of life. But you'll have to stay little in your own eyes. That's a lesson that God's people need to learn. That's a lesson that God's preachers need to learn. That's a lesson that God's deacons need to learn. That's a lesson that God's Sunday school teachers need to learn. That's a lesson that husbands and wives need to learn. That God has the right to do big things in your life, but you stay little in your own eyes. Are you hearing me this morning? He's going to learn to be little. As God brings him into these new areas of ministry, as God brings him into these new areas of maturity, as God brings him into these new areas in the monarchy, the king, he's going to be king over all these millions and thousands of individuals in Israel. God's going to promote him. God's going to bring him up. But he said, David, I'm going to teach you. Though I make you big, that without me you can do nothing. Without me you are not able. And David, I want you to know that everything that you have comes from me and you'll have to learn to be little. I think one of the greatest problems this morning that most of us have is we're not as big as we think we are. And we're not as good as we think we are. And we walk around with an arrogance that we ought to be served. And that people ought to speak to us in certain manner that is approving to us. And that people, and I'm guilty of it, and you're guilty of it, and we're all guilty of it. Because it is in all of us that we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. And God wants David to learn to be little. God can bless your marriage if you'll stay little in your own eyes. God can bless your home if you'll stay little in your own eyes. But it is when you think that you have arrived to the place that you'll either become Saul or you'll let God pull the rug out from underneath you and bring you back down to littleness. Are y'all hearing me this morning? It is not only that David is going to have to learn to be little, but David is going to have to learn to be low. One thing I find about David that is interesting is that the Bible does say, and we read it this morning, that David behaved himself wisely and that the hand of the Lord was with David, that God was with David, and yet we read in the same text that Saul hated David. 
Now how can it be that David did right? Up until this point there is no wrong recorded. There is no error recorded. There is no bad spirit on the part of David. There is no attack against Saul on the part of David. What is it that David has done? I'll tell you the one thing he's done. He did the thing that Saul would not do and could not do. And because of that they sang David's praises and Saul hates him for it. And uh, it is amazing to me this morning the way that people will think about you uh, when God begins to bless your life. You come to church and you're, you know, everything's falling apart and your whole world is upside down and everybody in the church will run to you and they will put their arms around you and they'll say to you, we are here for you. We're here to help you. We want to be a blessing to you. We want to encourage you. And God over time began putting your life together. God over time began fixing things in your marriage and in your home. And God began working in miraculous ways. And it won't be long you'll find that folks say, Well, I tell you, they've done forgot where they come from. I tell you, they might, they need to remember who they were. And the problem is, is as God brings all that promotion in your life you run into enemies you didn't know you had sometimes it's because we've made them but sometimes it's because we did the right thing that's that's business that's beyond us that's business that's above us but if you're going to live for God I want you to hear me this morning if you're going to serve God you're going to have to learn to be loathed L-O-A-T-H-E-D hated, despised, rejected of people that have no other reason to do so than that they have witnessed the success in your life that intimidates them Envy, jealousy, uh, is, and it was called the green-eyed monster of jealousy. Envy, jealousy is, a, is an ugly thing that will cause people to, it calls Saul to hate David. Some of you are Saul sitting in here this morning hating people for the only reason that God has blessed them. Are you hearing me this morning? Sitting in this congregation, there's some Davids. And you've not done anything wrong but serve God. And there's people in here and they would never say it out loud because it don't sound good to the ears. But in their heart of hearts, they have found reason to despise you. There are sitting in this congregation this morning some Saul's and you've done learned to pick up the javelin and you've done learned to uh, you've done learned to hate David in your heart because David is doing that thing that you did not do. He is doing that thing that you could not do. And you say, "What can I do if I'm Saul? Go back and let God make you little." And remind you uh, that you brought nothing into this world and you'll take nothing out of this world. And the greatest thing that you can do is submit yourself to the will of God and say, God, I am nothing and I am owed nothing. I think in our home sometimes we, we have Davids and Saul's. I think sometimes with brothers and sisters we have Davids and Saul's. I think sometimes in the workplace we have Davids and Saul's. You want to be hated where you work? Get that promotion. I ain't coming to preach this morning a wealth, health, and prosperity seminar. I'm just preaching just Bible truth. You want to, you want to be hated where you work? 
take that, take that office job. Take that management job, you scab. <laughs> David has to learn to be low. And it's a lesson this morning. I, 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 I'm just revisiting. I'll tell you something else, and I never even got to preach this one. And, and maybe I need to go and preach it. Probably I'll be preaching it this morning. I never got to preach this one. But David has to learn to lean. David's going to have to learn to lean. Because God's going to ask David to do things that David cannot do. Um, David can't kill a bear without a .30-06 rifle that he don't have or a bow and arrow. But the Bible does not say that he killed it with a bow and arrow. The Bible said he killed it with his hands. David can't do that. David cannot kill a lion. And yet the Bible said that on the same day that a lion and a bear came to David and that David slew the lion and David slew the bear. And that is not possible for David to do in his own power. And he's learning to lean on God. David is going to kill Goliath. And boys, there ain't one of you sitting on this front row that in the power of your own self could ever kill Goliath. There are giants that will whip you. There are giants that will kill you. There are giants that will destroy you before you ever get started serving God good. The giants will ruin your marriage. It'll ruin your home. It'll ruin your mind. And you can't kill those giants. But I want to tell you, I know one who can. Hallelujah. I know one who can. I know a giant killer this morning and his name is Jesus and he can kill your giants and you'll have to learn to lean on him leaning on him there's bills you can't pay you just have to learn how to lean my wife and I are praying over some things personally that we've got coming up in days to come and trips and different things and we've both come to the agreement that I can't and she can't and we can't but God can and if it's going to get done it'll be God that'll do it and if it ain't God that'll do it it just won't get done there's some things you cannot do but thank God he can he can he can put it back together he can save he can fix he can bring back what was broken he can rescue and he wants you to learn to lean with your children he wants you to learn to lean in your marriage he wants you to learn to lean on the everlasting arms of God in these areas and the great thing that happens in David's life is quickly he runs into his inability he says I have to trust the Lord when I can't. And he's going to learn that all of his life. He's going to learn that when he, when he falls into sin. Are you hearing me? He's going to learn that when he falls into great sin that I cannot forgive myself and I need to experience the forgiveness of the Lord. And he's going to learn that, that I cannot fix things on my own and I'll make a bigger mess out of them if I try. I need to learn to lead. God's wanting to teach you that this morning. 
And you're trying, just like we preached last week, propping Dagon back up. You're trying to set your own power back up. You're trying to set your own kingdom back up. You're trying to set your own ability back up. And God's so good that it keeps knocking it back down. You say, I set it up and God kicked it back over. Why does he keep doing that? Because if you're leaning on Dagon, you'll surely perish. If you're leaning on you, you certainly won't make it. But if you learn to lean on him, he can take care of you. David is going to learn if it kills him to lean. This morning, quickly, and I may have to come back and preach that learning to lean. I want to preach on learning to be loved. Quickly, I will. Learning to be loved. Uh, Seems like not that big of a problem. Preacher, I can understand I need to learn to be little. I can understand that I need to learn to lean. I can understand that I need to learn to be loved because it's not easy to be hated by anybody, but I think I've got learning to be loved figured out. But here's the problem that David is going to run into in two areas of his life. Number one, when he is loved by all these people, he has influence in the life of all these people. And when you have that kind of influence, you have to be careful what you do when people of different sorts love you. But not only that, but these people, not only does he have influence, but these people are individuals. And David is going to encounter in his life so many different kinds of individuals that love him in so many different kinds of ways. That these individuals that love David in all of these kinds of ways are so different that it is like David is in a new world every day because he's not getting the same thing from this one as he is from this one. And sometimes we fail because we expect everybody to treat us the same way that everybody else treats us. And we expect everybody to treat us the way that we want to be treated. The truth of the matter is, is sitting in this room, there are all kinds of people who love me in different ways. I've got a wife sitting in here this morning. She loves me different than any of y'all. I've got two boys sitting in here this morning, and they love me differently than all of y'all. I've got brothers sitting in here this morning, and they love me a different kind of way. I've got people that you've had 17 pastors before you got me, and you love me, but you love me in a different kind of way than those who I'm the only preacher that they've ever known. You're going to have to, I'm going to have to, we're going to have to learn to live with people who have individual loves towards us. I'll give these, I think there's five of them. I, I didn't write but one or two sentences down under each one of them so I wouldn't preach long. Some of these individuals in David's life that we read about, they loved him irregardless. David had to be learned, or David had to learn to be loved because there would be people in his life that learned, that loved him irregardless. Irregardless. Uh, we read about David's father, Jesse. And I didn't know this, and I guess I should have. I know he had one, but I don't remember ever reading about his mother until... 1 Samuel 22, the Bible said that David goes into Moab. 
And his father and his mother and the house of his father ends up in Moab. And when they get to Moab, his father and his mother are there. And it may be the only mention. I don't know. You'd have to check me. It may be the only mention of his mother. But David has a mother in Moab and a father in Moab with him at this time. The Bible brings them into the text. And I think that's significant because it lets us know that David's father and mother are alive all at the very same time. They are living in in the same time together and his father's there and his mother's there. And I'm going to tell you something about a mother and a father. That's the kind of love that will love you in spite of you. Well, y'all are quiet on me this morning. That's That's the kind of love that will... Love you no matter who you are. You can be ugly and they'll love you. Might be hard to get a girlfriend, but mama thinks you're handsome. You might be hard pressed to get a boyfriend, but daddy said you're the most pretty thing I ever did see. You might not be but mom and daddy will say, well, I don't know. I don't know nobody like your personality. You're just like me. You, you, you might flunk school. You might fail in uh, social settings. You might not get along well. And there might be a description that follows you around. Does not play well with others. I tell you, if there's a mother and a father in your life, there'll be somebody that will say, I don't care what that boy does. I don't care what that girl does. I love them. And thank God for the love of a father. Can I get a witness? Thank God for the love of a mother. Thank God for that kind of love. But if you expect everybody in your world to love you like your mother, your whole life will be a disappointment. Oh, she's the only one with that kind of love for you. And I think we go into marriage, men, and we have experienced the love of a mother. And we just assume that this woman that we marry is going to love us like the woman who raised us the last 20 years. But this woman had never changed your diaper. And she ain't ever powdered your behind, and your behind don't need powdering no more. It needs to grow up. Help me right there. And 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 this woman did the little airplane in a spoon and fed you uh, your applesauce and made all the little bubbly beehive motor noises to get it in your mouth and wiped your little chin and changed your little backside, but you married a grown woman who God never intended to feed you applesauce with a spoon. You want her to love you like that. Well, my mama, well, you didn't marry your mother. (laughs) Oh, I'm having fun. It was a little dicey there for a minute, but we done jumped off where people live. You didn't marry her. 
And ladies, you grow up and your daddy, he, he, you're my princess and you're the gold of my life and you're the blue in my sky, little honey. You're the great, greatest thing that ever happened since sliced bread. And I'll be honest with you, I think you're better than sliced bread. You're tremendous, and that's all right for daddy to love her that way. I mean, encourage that girl, and mama, encourage that boy, and you keep on feeding them your little, your little airplane food, and, and keep on pampering them. They're your children, but when you grow up, David's going to be in bad shape if he thinks that the wife he marries or the people he lives amongst is going to treat him with that kind of love. Can't expect that. And girls would grow up and get married and daddy never raised his voice. Daddy never got mad. Daddy never compared her to anybody except a queen. And that boy will say, I don't know what's wrong with you. You act like the devil. <sighs> Who, me? My daddy said that I was a princess. Well, your daddy's been lying to you your whole life. Well, I'm going to go tell my mama and my daddy. Some people will love you irregardless. I think you all are hearing me. Some people will love you and thank God for that kind of love. But David is going to have to learn, like the members of Crossroads Baptist Church is going to have to learn, that if you're going to get on along with people in your pew, if you're going to get along with people in your Sunday school class, if you're going to get along with people in your house, you'll have to realize that not everybody is going to love you irregardless. You can't say just whatever you want to say to everybody. You can mouth off at home, might get smacked, might not. But it ain't going to change how he or she loves you, mom and dad. Well, I tell you, that's the mouthiest kid I ever did see. But it's my mouthy kid, and I love him, and I'd go to bat for him. Huh? But that mouthy kid's going to grow up and go off somewhere. And if you expect everybody else just to turn a cold shoulder and say, well, that's just who they are. You ain't going nowhere far fast. Oh, y'all hearing me this morning. Some folks are going to love you irregardless. But you can't expect that kind of love from everybody. It's not fair. I'll give you a second one this morning. It's getting hot in here again. Uh, some folks will love you irreverently. Uh, in chapter number uh, 18... Or chapter number 17, uh, we find David goes to battle. And when David goes, he's really on an errand of his father. And he goes out to the war against the Philistines to bring bread to his brothers. He gets out there and Eliab, David's got several brothers, Eliab and uh, Abinadab and Shammah are the three that are mentioned that are in the battle there with Israel against the Philistines. And when David gets there and he hears Goliath down in the valley and Goliath is throwing out threats and curses against God and God's people and David is just highly offended and David says, well, I'll kill him. I'll go down there and I'll take care of this giant. And his older brother Eliab overhears David and he comes and gets David and he says, what in the world is wrong with you, idiot? That's in the original Hebrew and it didn't translate over. But what is wrong with you, you dumb idiot brother? And here's what he said. He said, he said I'm kidding about the translation thing. He, he said, uh, I know thy heart. 
I know the pride and the loneliness of thy heart. He said, I know you're only here because of pride. And the truth of the matter is, that's not the truth at all. The reason he's there is because his father sent him. But his brother looks at him and he says, I know your pride. I know the naughtiness of your heart. You want to come down here and be somebody. I've got a question. Was not Eliab there? Samuel came to the house of Jesse just a couple chapters before. Samuel went through all the brothers of David. God said, He's not it. He's not it. He's not it. He's not it. Samuel said, is there one more? Jesse said, well, I've got my youngest son out in the field. Go get him and bring him in. And they bring him in, and God says, there's the man. And God tells Samuel to pour the horn of anointing oil to be king over David. Was Eliab not there? Sure he was. Then why in the world is he talking to David with such irreverence? Because at the end of the day, it don't matter how big David has gotten. It don't matter who David is. It don't matter how far God has promoted David. David will always be Eliab's brother. And there's going to be people in your life that's going to love you, but they will love you irreverently. Just because you got... Something next to your name now don't mean they don't remember when you was just as dumb as they were. Do I need to hurry? Just just because you got a position at church don't mean they think any different of you. You're not going to convince me otherwise that Eliab, Abinadab, and Shaman loved David. I believe they did. But as long as David lived, they were going to say, he's the king and we love him, but he's our brother. And let's tell some stories on him that nobody else knows. I, I love being your pastor. One time we were, we were going to convention. And uh, we, were in the, we were in the, was it the green van? Nathan? Was, that, was it the old van? We was going to convention in Macon, school trip. And them boys were back there in the back talking and, and, and I, I, I was just sitting up there making up lies in my mind that I was going to tell them. They was talking about they was going to play ping pong down there and going to win. And I, I just made up this great big old lie. And I said, when I was in high school, I was the ping pong champion of, of my high school. And they said, really? Well, why would the preacher lie to you, you know? Really? I said, absolutely. No, you what? I'm telling you, I was the ping pong champion. Northwest Whitfield High School, when I was in public school, I, I was. They said, really? I said, yeah. I said, and I made something up. I don't even remember it now. I said, I, I, I invented the double-handed backstroke. <laughs> and I won the ping-pong championship. And they said, man. And I went on for hours. I don't know if I ever told y'all any different for a while. Maybe I did. I don't remember. Anthony, you was there too, wasn't you? I mean, them boys was amazed. And I was enjoying it. I was, yes. I started thinking highly of myself. You, that's really neat that you did that. 
I can, I can pull stuff like that because they don't know me. There's two boys in here. I couldn't ever tell that kind of story because they know. They know. They done played me in ping pong. And no, I ain't ever won nothing, had anything to do with ping pong. Do you see that? I mean, there's folks that are going to worship the ground you walk on. There's folks that's going to think highly of you as you serve the Lord. Your children and people that you know, they're going to say, praise God, that person's such a blessing. But there's also going to be people you used to run with, people you went to school with, and God might save them and put them in church, but they're never going to look at you just because you got that position and now you want that brother next to your name. It ain't going to happen. And you've got to be willing to let them love you irreverently. Are y'all hearing me? I'm going to quit preaching this morning probably about done. Some will love you irregardless. Some will love you irreverently. They're just ringing this morning. Hello. Some will love you inspirationally I won't even take time to preach this this morning but chapter 18 God puts Jonathan in Saul or David's life chapter 18 the Bible said in verse 1 and God knit the heart of Jonathan and David together some will love you inspirationally some people will love you it'll be such a bond that it can't be broken by time or trouble they're going to love you. If you, if, you, if you walked out of here today and you left everything right and you left everything holy and you went off and lived in sin, they're never going to breathe a bad word about you. They may not go with you, but they're going to go try to get you. And they're going to love you because God has brought an inspired love into their heart that only God can. And they'll go to, they'll go to bat for you They'll go to the grave for you. There are people that are in your life. And they're very few. And the problem that we get into is because we think everybody is this kind of person. And we're loose-lipped and we open our mouth and we talk to somebody that we think, we, oh, this person here. And you're going to find out there's only one or two people in your whole life that will ever be this way. If you're fortunate. Most people, you bear your dog. And, and they're going to bury you in your grave with them one day. But there will be some people that they'll bear them to their grave. But that's very rare. And most of the time we get in trouble because we think that everybody is going to love us like that one friend loved us. And you may never have a friend like that again. And you're going to, oh, I'm preaching this morning. I know that I am. You're going, to, you're, going to, you're going to get yourself in trouble on either side if you expect everybody else to be. Well, I tell you what, they're just not real friends. That's not true. They may be real friends. They just don't love you like that. And then on the other side of that, don't write everybody off because somebody broke your trust, because somebody didn't treat you like Jonathan. There will only be one or two in your life, whoever will, if you're fortunate. You can't get mad at people for being people. Some people will love you 
inspirationally. I, there's a lot that I could say on all these, but just trying to quit and be done. Some people will love you idolizingly. They began singing, Saul is slain his thousands, David is ten thousands. They're saying stuff about David that really David probably enjoyed hearing. How many of you would like to hear? Saul was a good king. He slew thousands, but if we were David, David's a better king. He slew ten thousand. Oh, I like that. You don't talk nice about me? Come on, let's go. Let's talk. I mean, I'll talk to you all day long if you want to talk about how good I am. You want to talk about your problems? I'll listen for a little while and say, okay, ADD's kicking in. You want to talk about how good I am? I mean, I'm, I'm there. Let's go. Don't look at me that way because you like it too. You like it too. But here's the problem that David's got to remember. And he's going to learn how to be loved by these people. He's not really who they think he is. Because they only see the side of David that he allows them to see. All them people that you're following on Facebook, you're only seeing the Facebook image that they want you to see. All them people that young people are following on Twitter and TikTok or whatever everybody else has got themselves hooked up to these days, they're only letting you see a side. And they put makeup on for that side. And they set the surrounding behind them for that side. And they put all these things together for that, for that optic, for that view, for that side that they want you to see. But you don't see the real them. You don't see who they are. And all these people are saying, David is a wonderful guy, but what they don't know is he's a man with fear like everybody else. He's a man with failure like everybody else. And the greatest harm that could come to David is if David begins to believe what they say about him over what he knows about him. I'm afraid sometimes we believe what other people think about us instead of what we know. Wasn't it the old saying that said, if, if I was what my dog thought I was? <laughs> well, I'd be in good shape if I really was that. But I'm not. There's going to be people in your life and they're going to think you hung the moon. Not everybody's going to think that about you. And don't believe. My grandma, God bless her, I, I shall miss her to this day. I was 17 when she passed. and My grandma thought I hung the moon. She did. She'd tell me. That's probably the best message I ever heard preached, Josh. I mean, I preached three minutes, you know, wasn't no good at it, but she'd tell me, I don't guess I ever heard a message any better than that. I thought, well, I'm probably the best preacher then. Because <laughs> she's heard a lot. She's heard Harold Seitler preach and Oliver B. Green preach. And, and she's, heard, uh, she's heard all kinds of uh, folks preach at the church that my grandpa pastored. And, and I probably am the greatest preacher if, if she's saying that. But she just had some kind of idolizing love for me because I was her grandson. Y'all going to tell stuff to Jack that just ain't true. It just ain't true. It might be. See, he's mad now. He said, well, it might be true. 
let's, let's close. Some folks will love you insincerely. Saul tells his men in chapter 18, I believe it is, he said, David is going to take my throne. We're not going to let that happen. I want you to go get him and act like you love him, and I want you to win him. And when you do, we're going to devise a plan, and we're going to kill him. Sometimes when people treat you that way, it's hard for you to trust anybody, but that's not how life ought to be. Because not everybody has ulterior motives. Some people just love you. Hey, I'm going to say this to you again this morning. Some people just love you, let them. Well, I'll tell you, the last person I, I let into my world and they loved me, they, 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 they tried to kill me. Not everybody saw. Not everybody saw. And if you go to a church that's spirit-filled, most of them people aren't saw. They have potential to act like Saul, but so do you. But most of them are not Saul. Now, given the option of saving their neck and yours, 99.9999% whose neck you think they're choosing. And you can't get mad at them because you choose your neck too. <laughs> but just because they choose their own neck in a, in a, in a pivotal moment in life, a, a decision between life and death, don't mean that they're Saul trying to kill you. They're just trying to live. Some people will love you insincerely. And you know what you're going to have to do? Love them in spite of that. Here's the last one and we are done. You can come to the piano. Some folks will love you inconsistently. I, I want you to see this. I, I really want you to see this before I leave. Chapter 18 or before we leave. Chapter 18 verse 20. I want you to watch this. The Bible said in Michael... 1 Samuel 18, verse 20. And Michael, Saul's daughter, watch this, loved David. You believe your Bible this morning? Huh? Michael loved David. What a blessing. Look, look in verse number 28. Same chapter, chapter 18. And Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael, Saul's daughter, what? Loved him. Twice, same chapter. The Holy Ghost says, Michael loved David. But it's first Samuel chapter, I'm sorry, second Samuel, you don't have to turn there. Second Samuel chapter six, verse number sixteen. David and Israel has brought the Ark of the Covenant back into Israel just a few short years later. David is dancing before the Lord. Michael is up in the window and she's looking down in the street and she sees David. And here's what the Bible said. And Michael despised David in her heart. How can that be? First Samuel, just a few short years prior, first Samuel chapter 18, twice the Holy Ghost says, and Michael loved David. As a matter of fact, she chose David over her own father. When her own father was trying to kill David, she snuck David out of the house and she made a deep decoy, snuck David out and put her own life in danger to save David's. Saul could have killed her. He didn't, but he could have. Put her own life in danger because she loved him. Just a little while later, 
The Bible said she despised him. I don't know how to tell you this this morning. I don't know how to explain this to you, but I'm just going to give it to you and be done. There's going to be people throughout your life who are going to love you inconsistently. I'm not saying that they ought to. I'm not saying that it's right. But there'll be people in your life that today will be there that tomorrow will not. There's going to be people in your life that today will, will uh, be a blessing in your life. But tomorrow they're going to be looking at you from the window. Despising you. And if David's ever going to be the man in the ministry he ought to be. If David's ever going to be the man of maturity he ought to be. If David's ever going to be the monarch he ought to be. He's going to have to learn to be loved by people who love him inconsistently. And yet he's going to have to love them right when they're not loving him right. I want us to stand this morning. I believe the Lord's helped us. There may be some Jonathans in your life this morning. And maybe they're here, maybe they're not. And you need to come thank the Lord for them. There may be some mothers and fathers in your life that have loved you irregardless and, and, and the Lord has loved you irregardless and you need to come thank God for that love. There may be some folks that you've demanded the wrong kind of love out of and you need to come ask God to forgive you and you need to go home and ask them to forgive you for not loving you like you wanted to be loved or expected to be loved by them. Maybe this morning Michael is sitting in the window of your house She's sitting in the window and there was a time she loved you. But this morning she's sitting in the window. I don't know what would have happened, but I often wonder what would have happened if David would have got up there in the window with her and said, Michael, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's happened. Maybe he did know. But Michael, I'll tell you what. I remember when you put your life down for me. I remember when you loved me. I know it ain't always been this way. And maybe if David would have got in the window with Michael, it would have changed Michael's heart. And maybe there's somebody in your life, a husband, a wife, a child, a neighbor, a friend, a co-worker, and what you need to do is go get in the window and recognize that though they love you inconsistently, they still love you. God can fix it. Let's find somewhere to pray this morning. She sings, let's mind the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your help this morning.